What's up? Good to talk to you. Sam Brief here with another Mental Game Podcast. I'm here in my home studio in Chicago. And before today's episode, I just want to say thanks. I've gotten a few texts, emails, pigeon messenger bird things over the last few weeks. People just saying how much this podcast makes sense to them and has helped them in some cases with their anxiety. Because I think there's a lesson that hearing people of stature, in this case it's athletes or coaches, but in any realm, hearing people who you respect open up about their mental health and unlocking healthy mental practices and top-notch performance skills can be inspiring. And if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or know someone who is, or even if you're not and you just want to unlock the best you, I think learning from some of these performers goes a long way. So I want to say thank you to those of you who have reached out and also that those of you who have will really enjoy today's episode because I'm joined by Chicago Dogs starting pitcher Jake Dahlberg. Dahlberg is a pro pitcher in his fifth season as a professional baseball player. So in a lot of ways, he's living the dream. But make no mistake, this guy's faced roadblocks. Drafted out of college by a team he grew up idolizing, the St. Louis Cardinals. He spent a couple seasons in the Cardinals system, and then he got released. Like so many players do every year, they cut him. Severed ties. Could have been the end of his career, but he stuck with it. He marched into independent baseball, into a once very unknown, vast terrain. And he signed with the Chicago Dogs, right near where he went to school at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And Jake was pretty good the last couple seasons. 2019, 2020, he was a good pitcher. But then this offseason, he looked at himself in the mirror, looked at his big, thick black beard, which is very menacing, I imagine, for a hitter. And he said, no, I want to be great. I want to relentlessly pursue this. And along the way, he's battled a couple personal issues that he opens up about on the podcast. And Dahlberg has turned himself into an elite performer knocking on the door of possibly getting re-signed by a major league organization. So Dahlberg hits us with his key performance habits, overcoming mental health hurdles and turning himself into a truly relentless player and person. So without further ado, it's Chicago Dogs starting pitcher Jake Dahlberg on the next Mental Game Podcast. Tell me about a time when your mental game was challenged. Let me give you an example. First year at the University of Illinois, Chicago, pretty good year, pitcher of the year. So my second year, put all kinds of pressure on myself to repeat that because now I'm draft eligible. If I get pitcher of the year again, I'm going to get drafted. I got to get drafted because that's what I want. And mentally going into a season with that thought process and putting all that extra pressure on yourself, you know, I didn't even realize it at the time, but it was there and it affected everything about how my season went because there's if one thing went wrong, I tried harder to make it right. And it just, you know, snowball effect and would get worse and worse. So I think that probably was the biggest challenge mentally for me in my baseball career, being able to come back the following season and 
just understand, put the work in and go play the game and let the rest take care of itself. Um, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so being able to learn from that and see how that mentality was not the right way to go um, and bounce back from it, I think that was the biggest challenge for me. And then being able to bounce back from it, you know, I think was a great step forward for me mentally. Um, but I think that was the biggest challenge. And putting extra pressure on yourself is never going to be a good thing. There's enough pressure on the game as is and just in life in general. So I think being able to take a step back sometimes and, you know, take a deep breath and understand we're just adults playing a kid's game still, you know, and, and that's what it is. And I got to remember that sometimes. And, you know, I think that's the way to move forward. Right. And it's easy to say that in baseball, of course. And a lot of our listeners are athletes. A lot aren't. And I think even if your day-to-day job isn't a quote-unquote kid's game, like let's say you're an accountant. Okay, that's not a kid's game unless you really want your taxes done very sloppily. I guess it could be. But we're all living life, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we all complicate things and put a little too much pressure on things when we don't always need to. I want to dive, though, Jake, into your junior year mindset. You said that year you struggled. You spoke about the mental challenge and putting too much pressure. What did that actually look like when you were on the mound at Curtis Granderson Stadium, which is freaking beautiful, by the way? You're on the mound there. You're putting this pressure. What does that actually look like during a game? You know, unfortunately, I displayed some poor body language that year because – you know, if, if something negative happened in a game, you know, I was hanging my head like, well, there goes my chances, that kind of thing, you know, and it just proceeded to get worse and worse as the year went on. Um, and so I think, and that's that's a negative in itself, having poor body language out there, you know, so I think that's what it looked like that season, and it, it just wasn't good in any aspect, to be honest. What about inside? What were you saying to yourself? What were you thinking to yourself when – let's say you give up a few runs uh you know that doubt starts creeping in your head we had um things back then are you in a red light a yellow light or a green light so a red light is your ability to recognize that you're out of control on the mound out there that you've lost control of your awareness of the game of of your body of what you're doing a yellow light would be okay i feel myself starting to get out of control can i get back to a green light green light you're good to go right you're in the moment you're being successful. So I would say that year is just a bunch of red lights. Gave up a few runs, start doubting myself, and it just gets worse instead of stepping off the mound, taking my breath and resetting. It was, let's try and be better. Let's try harder. And, you know, trying too hard, can't play the game that way. It's a, it's a smooth, relaxed game. You watch the big leaguers, they make it look so easy because they're just smooth about it. They slow the game down and you know, that year I felt like I really sped things up on myself and can't play baseball that way. So is it in a way like you were letting the results of the past creep into your head and affect how you threw each pitch, right? A crappy inning would speed you up and even maybe a great inning would affect you. And I know this year with the dogs, you've had many great innings, right? You've been pitching really well, but you haven't been letting that get to your head and you're like okay next inning next three batters like that is square one no matter what the hell happened it's just in the moment right Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um 
lost my train of thought. Sorry. Going back to that. You want me to build some tracks? No, no, we're good. Um, you know, so we could break it down on anybody on any basis where I had a bad inning. Okay, I can't let that happen again. And then it, we could break it into, okay, I had a bad game, a bad start. I can't let it happen again next week. And you keep putting that pressure on yourself. And you got to sit there in college, you know, you're pitching once every six, seven days, you know, every Friday night. So you have an extra day and a half in there to think about your last start. And sometimes thinking too much can be your own worst enemy, you know, and I, I did that as well. And you sit there, okay, I just gave up five home runs, which happened in one game. And now you get to sit there for the whole week thinking about it and saying, oh, I better not let this happen again, you know, and you go out there with that mindset trying to make something not happen. And what usually happens is going to happen again because it's already in your head, you know, the ability to eliminate those thoughts, which I feel like is where I'm at now, um, eliminating that doubt. Yeah, we're going to have thoughts creep into our head. Negativity. Oh, do I trust this pitch? Is this the right pitch to make? But the ability to to flush that quickly and trust yourself, I think, is the difference now. Um, but looking back to that year, that's that's exactly what happened. It was trying too hard the next time out every inning you know trying to make things perfect trying to make things nasty trying to make things better and you know it usually backfires on you and that's what happened there's a really valuable lesson in what you just said about flushing because we often say oh don't overthink don't overthink well the human mind is not capable of not thinking about something if you give up five home runs you're gonna think about it Mm -hmm. right if i go on a broadcast tonight and i you know drop an f-bomb and embarrass myself like i'm gonna think about that it's it's just ignorant to think that we can shut off our mind you have to take drugs to do that like you can't just do that so what you said really sticks with me is it's not about avoiding a thought it's about having it and then trusting yourself to be like, okay, yeah, I gave up five home runs. That's crappy. But okay, I trust myself to do better next time. Is that sort of how you think now? Let's say tonight you give up five home runs. What would the thought process be? Um, you know, now I feel like I've gotten to the point where, okay, if I make this decision, what's the result going to be if I choose that side? If I make this decision, what's the result going to be if I go that way? So now – Okay, I gave up five home runs. Okay, if I go get pissed off and frustrated, take it into the dugout and take it out with me, well, now my result is probably going to be pretty negative to whereas, okay, I gave up five home runs, but if I have the ability to, nope, next inning, start fresh, here we go, I'm going to have a different result. So I feel like I have the ability now to make a decision quickly in my head and understand what the outcome is going to be moving forward. That is so valuable too, right? Being able to not spend the time deciding. And mm-hmm. I want to dive into this because you and I, well, you got me into it, Relentless by Tim Grover, mm-hmm. legendary trainer for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and so many others. And sort of in a circuitous way, our trainer too, because yeah. we read his book, but he talks about the concept of cleaners and cleaner is pretty much how you would describe the Michael Jordan type, the Kobe Bryant type. And he talks about making decisions and I'm scrolling through my phone right now because I, I'm one of those people I take pictures of, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I save them in my phone. Yeah. This, this is it from 
Tim Grover. Trust yourself and decide. Every minute, every hour, every day that you sit around trying to figure out what to do, the old Jake Dahlberg, someone else is already doing it. Mm-hmm. Strikes me as the new Jake Dahlberg. While you're trying to choose whether to go left or right, this way or that way, someone else is already there. Right. While you're paralyzed from overthinking and overanalyzing your next move, someone else went with his or her gut and beat you to it. Right, right. So I... Again, a thought without an action is just a wasted thought. And so, you know, sitting around thinking about that kind of thing, thinking about the decision you're going to make, that's all great. But unless you put an action to it, it does us no good. So the ability to make that decision very quickly and to act on it, you know, I think you're going to be better off. And just like Michael, and there's a story about Dwayne Wade in that book where he left Miami and flew overnight to go see Grover for a one word answer that he could have got on a phone call, you know, but he made that decision because he didn't want to sit and, and waste time. And he escaped from the team for a little bit to clear his mind and go talk to Tim. And, you know, was literally back the next day and he ended up being a, a pretty dang good player for them in the finals for the Miami heat that year. Uh, he might, he might've won the MVP. I'm not sure, but you know, he made a decision and acted on it and he went with his gut to fly across the country and, you know, it worked out. You know, he didn't wait. He didn't sit and wait around for something to happen. I know you read that book a few times Mm -hmm. over this past offseason. And for some of our audience here, if you're not too familiar with Jake, I just want to sort of set up this offseason for you where you were at UIC. You've taken me through that junior year where you struggle. Then you come back senior year. You win conference player of the year. You get drafted by the team you grew up rooting for, the Cardinals. You work your way up in their system. It doesn't end up working out. You come here to the Chicago Dogs in the American Association. Year one in 2019, year two last year in that COVID-shortened season. And then in the offseason, what happened? Well, I think you're seeing the point where I made a decision to to just be better. Um and learn from those past two years. And in this off season, you know, I decided to just separate myself. It was me and Dustin DeMars, our catcher here, bullpen catcher here. Uh, it was just me and him every single day. And, you know, our weight room, we had a little corner weight room staring at a brick wall when we're doing squats, when we're doing everything, we're looking at a brick wall, just working in silence. Nobody knew what we were doing. And, you know, that's kind of, what I need, I feel like, you know, just to be away and to get into my own mind and really decide how bad do I really want to do this? And the the answer is astronomical. This is all I want to do. And, um, you know, I just made that decision, I think, to not take a day off, not to take a rep off. And that book, rereading it again and taking notes on it and just refreshing my mind about it, really gave me kind of set the tone for me going in into this off season. Um, but that, that was at the mental approach of just believing that I still could get it done. And, you know, if I put the work in, it's going to be there. The results will be there and reverting back to that past experience of my senior year at UIC and, and remembering what I did to get in that, into that position, you know, carrying over some mindsets from that year. Um, and then coming out here and just playing the game, like, my coach Mike D told me back then just play the game you put the work in go play the game and let the rest take care of itself and 
you know, that's taking all the pressure off me. If I can just trust the work I put in and go play, what else is there to think about? You know, I feel like sometimes people come into the season and they're constantly trying to make adjustments and make changes to their mechanics and do all this, that, and the other. To me, that's what the off season was for, right? And I put that work in and now, now it's just time to go display it. And yeah, there's tweaks and things here along the way, but nothing drastic. And I would argue that it's more mental changes than anything and just continuing to grow on that side of the game and, and then trusted the physical side of it to be there. What's the number one mental change you've made and why did you make that? For me, I would say is no days off. You know, I won't lie. There's a, sometimes I missed a lift. I missed a workout here and there, but I did not miss a day of throwing. I did not miss a day of baseball. Um, and to take this game seriously, there's no reason to miss a day. And, you know, so I'd say holding myself to a higher accountability this offseason is probably the biggest change I made. Um, you know, it's it's tough working, coaching, driving Uber, still trying to get your training done. You know, my off season's really not off season. I'm still putting in 12 hour days, just like we do at the ballpark. But understanding that that's part of my job too, is to train and work. That's, that's part of it. And just holding myself to a higher standard, being accountable. And I think being in a situation where there's no one else around is the best way to do that, where I'm just in silence and it's up to me to get the work done. And being able to do that and knowing that I did do that gives me all the confidence in the world when I get out here. So I, I'd say the accountability part um, and just and believing in myself all off season, know what I'm working for and what I want to do and what I still want to do, which is be on TV playing in the big leagues. What I heard referred to as the TV league the other day. I'd never TV heard this. League. Yeah, the TV either. league. Yeah, you good. heard that? I have not. So you want to be in the TV said, league. The TV league. Maybe with a guy like me on TV there we go. calling you because I've tried to bring those same principles to my life as a broadcaster, too. It's, you know, part of this podcast and why I hope you who are listening appreciate listening to people like Jake is whatever you do, you can apply these sorts of methods to your life. And Tim Grover admits that in his book, you know, maybe you want to be the best business leader the best broadcaster the best parent like whatever it is you can just be like yeah i want to be holding myself accountable Mm -hmm. to this and jake you clearly have done that and just through the first half of the season those results have shown in the baseball Mm -hmm. now what i'm really curious about is on the micro like we're talking a little more big picture on the very micro, could you tell me after, let's say, a good start, let's say you go out and you throw a complete game. You did that about a month ago. Complete game shutout. It's like the best you can do other than a, a perfect game, no hitter type of deal. Complete game shutout this year versus a complete game shutout last year before you really had this, what I'll call a reckoning. What's the thought in your mind when you finally get home and you're away from the hullabaloo of being around people and you have that first self-reflective thought? Is it different last year to this year or 
And if it is different, what is it? Uh, it absolutely is different, and I've, I'm probably never going to forget how I felt after that day. I started tearing up, to be honest, because it just it felt so gratifying that the work I have put in is paying off. Um, I was tearing up on the freaking mound after after that game ended, you know, looking up in the sky and just saying, man, I really just did that. You know, that really just happened, and it was me. And then getting home, had the chills all night fluctuating in and out, and it was, it was just self-gratification. And, you know, pitcher's nothing without his defense out there, and there were some phenomenal plays, and that was a hell of a team win. Um, but, you know, the role I played in executing my job, you know, that's the best I've ever felt. And last year – I don't think it would even come close to feeling how it does right now just because I know, I know what I've done this offseason. I know the work that I've put in and, you know, seeing results like that, you can't beat it, you know. So now the challenge is, again, to not put the pressure on yourself. I have to do that again. No, you got to go out and just trust yourself and continue to do that. So That's really fascinating because we talk about how, oh, if you have a good mindset, then – the bad stuff that happens to you, you can brush off, but it also makes the good stuff better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're telling me you were crying tears of happiness and gratification after throwing a complete game, whereas maybe last year you would have been happy. You would have mm-hmm. been like, okay, yeah, it was great, but you wouldn't have had that euphoria right. that made you tear up. So it's really the flip side, too. The good shit gets mm-hmm. better. Absolutely. It really does. You know... Th- not too many people know this, but I, I had to go through six weeks of anger management because I didn't know how to control my mind. And, you know, going back to the decisions we would make, I'd make the wrong decision and how I responded was not the right way to certain things. And so that six weeks, I talked to you so much about simplicity and simplifying and simplifying your mind and how you go about things. Those six weeks helped me so much be able to control what's going on in my head and choose how I respond to things now. So going back to those five home runs, how do I respond to it? If it was me four years ago, I'm responding so negative, it's not even funny. But now I've learned and grown and can respond in a positive way and just and move on from it so much quicker. And that's helped me in life in general about things that I'm doing, decisions I'm making. But then here at the field, you know, days I'm not feeling good. I don't want to go run today, but making the decision mentally convincing yourself the mind's a powerful thing and you know if you tell yourself over and over i feel great today you're gonna feel good you're gonna find a way to get the job done you know being able to draw from prior experiences and implement them into now um i think i'm doing a pretty good job at that but you know i went through a lot to get to this point mentally and I, i feel like i have pretty good control of what's going on in my head and Again, I say baseball is a mental game, you know, so I've always taken pride in that. Um, And I'm never going to stop trying to grow that side of the game for myself. But I think now we're just seeing I'm giving myself insight of what I can be potentially in the future. And, you know, I'm big on visualization and, and seeing things and all that kind of stuff. And I see success. And so being able to go about my day, having that feeling and picturing it, and and just i don't know it it feels good feels like i'm going the right direction you know 
It looks like it from up here in the booth. I mean, I saw you when we first got to spring training a couple months ago, and you you physically look different. The changes you made in your physical life are apparent, but as you said, it's a product of that mental mm-hmm. change. Backtracking a few steps, I'm curious with the anger management. Why did you make that decision to seek out counseling? Uh, you know, I was still so stubborn that I didn't want to go. But my it was when I was at UIC, my head coach there, you know, really pushed me to do it. And it took me a while to to finally commit to it. You know, the first week I was there, I don't need this. I don't. And then I decided to just listen and just hear it out and, you know, see if something sticks and, and stuff started sticking. Um, and, you know, it was the best thing I ever made. And, and to be honest, the drive to and from anger management was where I learned the most because I sat there thinking, man, I'm really in this situation right now where I'm having to drive to go see somebody to talk to. You know, how did I get to this point? What happened for me to get here? And so there was a lot of self-reflecting going on in that time. And, you know, I still have had my ups and downs since then, but the consistency of how I handle myself has become so much better because of that. And I'm, I'm forever going to be grateful for it. You know, it's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, so I have no regrets with that at all. And now I feel like I figured out how to use that what's inside of me that anger because it still exists absolutely but I feel like I've figured out how to use it in a positive way which is where the emotion I think comes from when I'm out there because inside I feel it and that's the only place I feel like I can let it out and I love that I absolutely love it you know I was talking to Big Z last year um Carlos Zambrano Zambrano and you know we've everyone's seen him smash the Gatorade cooler seen the video all that stuff and then he showed up here and he was so calm and so peaceful. You know, he found God and that's great. And so I remember there's one day he's pitching and he's struggling a little bit and he comes out and he starts getting angry in the dugout again. And so I let him cool off a little bit and I went up and I asked him, hey, were you mad out on the mound? And he said, no. And then I said, you know, it's okay. That's your, that's your mound. That's your home. You can be mad out there and let it out and take it out in the game because he has that in him and I could see it. And, you know, he talked to me a little bit and he said, you know, I understand. And he went out the next time and, you know, I'm not taking credit for anything, but he said that he took some more aggression out there with him to pitch with instead of holding it and and using it elsewhere in the dugout where it didn't matter. You know, if we can take advantage of those feelings and, and benefit from them, why not? You know, so that's how I feel when I'm going out there. I'm trying to take advantage of, of the feelings I have inside and and use it to my benefit. That's really valuable because when we watch those YouTube videos of him beating up a Gatorade cooler at Wrigley, that's telling me, okay, he's got some pent-up anger that he's not getting rid of in other outlets in the mound – in a sport like baseball, it's a perfect way to take it out. Absolutely. And, you know, watching you, you look angry out there. Like, you've got that serious look. I mean, that's that's the look a pitcher wants to have, right? I, if I step at the plate and I see Jake Dahlberg with the, you know, beard and these piercing black eyes, you know, staring down at me and he looks pissed at me, like, that's a guy who's going to probably strike me out. <laughs> so, um, kudos to you for, as a young guy in your first season with the dogs, like stepping up to 
a three-time all-star and being like, yo, here, I, I, I maybe have a word of advice for you. And seems like it helped him. So I, I know you said not to take credit, but I'll give you like an ounce of credit yeah, right. if that's chill with you. Um, Jake, uh, something else I'm curious about, and I spend a good amount of time in the clubhouse with the dogs, but I'm not on the inside like you are. As someone who's been a high school player, a JUCO player, a D1 college player in a major league system and now in indie ball, what would you say in terms of how many athletes take their mental game seriously? I would say 99%, to be honest, and not on the same way. I've seen... Victor Roach, one of our power bats from two years ago, he would write in a journal every single day to clear his mind, you know, and we have guys doing that right now. We have guys that just like to think about stuff and not talk about it. We have guys that are willing to talk about the mental side of things, but I think to an extent it's there for everybody, but it just is expressed or seen in a different way or not seen at all. But I think in order to play at this level, everybody has to to put some effort into their mental side of baseball and, you know Stu Claiborne does a great job of reminding of the of reminding of us reminding us of that and you know sometimes he'll print out some sheets of paper for us to review and you know remind you of thought processes what you, what you need to think about and stuff like that but I think every, you know 100% of people and like you might find a guy here and there who's just happy to be playing baseball but even then to just be out on the field, you have to be somewhat mentally strong to, to compete and play this game, you know. So I, I would say 100% of people. Now, how seriously they take it, you know, we'll never know. But Not everyone's like you, but everyone's got something. Right. Right, and especially here where you're playing in front of people, I think anything that's a performance, you need to be locked in, yeah. right? Might be sports. You might be an actor. You might be a business leader who's speaking at a lot of conferences. You might be a broadcaster, whatever it is. If you're up there in front of more than a handful of people, you you got to be locked right. in. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the title of the book, Relentless, you know, that word was used so much when I was in college. You're relentless about how you go about your business, about how you go about your preparation, about how you plan for your recordings, about how you plan for your broadcast. You're relentless about that stuff because you want to be the best, you know. So if, if you can be, and going back to be a parent or all that stuff, if you can be relentless about what your task is, you know, you're going to give yourself the best chance to succeed. And I think that's, again, where the mental side comes in. Are you, are you being relentless mentally? Are you bought into what you're doing? Or are you just going about your day, going through the motions, that kind of thing? What's... Well, Right, which is fine if that's what you decide to do. Absolutely, and there's no wrong or right, you mm -hmm. know. And again, everyone's different. Not everyone has to think like me right. or be like me. That's not expected. Everyone is absolutely different, you know. But if you go and find the top of the top CEOs or the best manager in baseball, the best players, you're going to find similarities in their thought processes and their and their mentality going about their business and and how they proceed. You know, with their daily lives, looking at Michael Bowden, our, our one big leaguer here, you see how much stuff that guy does every single day to stay in tip top shape. And because he still believes deep down, he still believes that he's good enough to be back in the TV league, you know. And I think if you ask any one of these guys what they're playing for, you know, they might say my mom to take care of my family one day for the money for, you know, to have fun, whatever, whatever it may be. 
deep down is because we still believe, right? And if you can figure out a way to go about your day knowing that you still believe in something and you still want it that bad, I mean, you're going to be relentless about the work that you do. Right. There's a difference between acting like you believe and just believing. Right. Because true belief, you get action after it. And Jake, I want to end with a forward-looking inquiry mm-hmm. into you because I know you still have room to grow. And like you said, you want to be in the TV league. What is something you want to improve on in your mental game in the next weeks, months, years? You can sort of pick your own time frame. You know, I still find myself in moments having doubt creep into my head. Um, you know, what am I still doing? Riding on the bus, you look out the window, you're driving across the country, and sometimes you think, what am I doing out here? You know, is it worth it? Is something really going to happen? And even in the game, you know, like I said, doubting pitches or that kind of stuff, I want to be able to eliminate that completely. And I feel like I'm close. It's not happening as often as it has because I'm learning to figure out how to get rid of it but it's still happening so I'm gonna challenge myself moving forward to I'm gonna try to be perfect with my thought process you know and recognize right away when I'm not in the right moment in the present moment like we talked about and just be able to catch it and move on you know make the right decision and move on um because if 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 I can be on point sometimes I feel like I should be able to be on point all the time mentally you know if it's in there, there's no reason it shouldn't be there all the time is my thought. And so I'm going to challenge myself to be perfect on that. And, you know, being perfect in anything isn't necessarily realistic, but I'm going to think that way and believe that it's possible. And, you know, who knows? But I think that moving forward is the next step for me, just being able to eliminate negativity, negative thoughts as a whole. Because what's the point, you know? There's enough pressure in life in baseball as is on the game. So what's what's the point of putting more pressure on yourself? I know what my job is. We know what our job is to do. Do it. You know, simplify and just go do it. So I, to me, it bugs me that I still even have those thoughts pop in, into my head. I don't understand why they do. But like you said, we can't shut our minds off. But the ability of my response, how do I respond to that thought, I think, I'm going to strive for perfection and and continue to make the right decision. I love that because perfectionism gets a horrible reputation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to be a perfectionist. You know, it's like a social outcast now to be a perfectionist. But there's a difference between being a perfectionist where if you're not perfect, you just shut down right. and lose yourself and go berserk. That's not mentally healthy. What is mentally healthy is someone like you to be like, yeah, I'm going to try to be perfect. I might not be, but I'm going to do everything I can to be perfect in my thought process. And if I'm not, if I have one of those thoughts where I look out the window in God knows where, South Dakota, and I think, oh, you know, maybe this isn't worth it. Okay, if that thought happens once a month, like, I'm not going to beat myself up too much. I'm going to recognize it, and I'm going to try to eliminate it. But perfectionism with self-admonishment is not healthy. Perfectionism with 
levity and understanding. Yes. That is healthy. And you're achieving greatness and striving for perfection. And I think that's a great thing. And, and a lot of people really can learn from that mindset. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've talked with guys in the locker room and I think it starts with, okay, you recognized you had the thought. You recognize you had a negative thought. And I've heard guys all the time, you know, man, I, I just felt like I couldn't do it. Okay. You, you recognize you had that thought, but did you try to eliminate that thought? Did you, do you have the ability to do that? Because that's the next step. It's great when you can recognize that's, that's telling yourself you, you're aware of what you're thinking, right? But now do you have the ability to push that thought out? Which I think everyone does if they're able to recognize that they're having those thoughts in the first place. And you know, that's, I've learned a lot of stuff from my college because it was all about the mental side of things. And that's what's happening now is I'm recognizing when I'm in that red light or when that sliver of doubt creeps in and nope, no more because I've been through it. I've been through it enough now. And again, still not going to be every time that I get rid of that thought, but more often than not, absolutely. And it's with anything else. It takes repetition. It doesn't happen just because it's because you've been there, you've experienced it and, and you're learning and continuing to grow. Um, but it does start with that recognition, I think, and understanding where you're at and being aware of what's going on upstairs and, you know, making that decision, making that response and understanding whatever response you decide, there's going to be an end result down the road. Either way you go, if you respond negatively or positively, there's going to be something that happens along the way because of that response that you chose to take. You know what I'm saying? And so the more times you can have a positive response to something, I think is just going to give you the best chance to be successful in anything in life and in baseball and coaching and driving Uber, whatever, whatever it is, you know? And then the rest is gravy. And I ought to find a new phrase for that because <laughs> I don't like gravy. <laughs> I never put gravy on anything. No biscuits What's, and gravy? Nah, biscuits and biscuits. Biscuits. I don't know. Biscuits how, and butter. How about the rest of it is... Butter. No, nah, I don't mm. even like... But I'm allergic to that crap. Oh, okay. Um, honey. Maple honey. syrup. Maple syrup. Who doesn't? Right. Do you, everyone likes Absolutely. maple. Okay, so, so the rest of it is maple syrup and... Uh, Jake, I know you have to go mm. throw a bullpen session. We're sitting here, by the way, folks... We are in the Impact Field broadcast booth, home of the Chicago Dogs, right now looking over a beautiful day in Chicago. Gorgeous. And uh, Jake Dahlberg will be back on that mountain soon. Jake, it's been it's been a joy to watch you, talk to you for three years, and and I can tell you're serious now. So absolutely, keep I kicking appreciate ass. that. It's been a blast, and I always enjoy talking with you. And I love that you're also trying to learn from us, and I'm learning from you as well. So. It's been great having you here and being able to conversate with you, Sam. Thank you. A big thank you to Jake Dahlberg for joining the pod today. And he actually recommended Tim Grover's book to me, Relentless, by Tim Grover, who, again, trained Kobe, MJ, Dwayne Wade, so many more in the sports world, the elite of the elite. And you don't have to be an athlete to take that message. And I know Jake and I touched on that a little bit, but... It all ties in to your mental health and what kind of person you want to be and what kind of person you want to try to be because not everyone's going to be Michael Jordan, but bringing that style to whatever it is, whether it's your job, your parenting, your friendships, that is truly what makes greatness. So I really appreciate Jake Dahlberg for coming on, spitting wisdom, and for all of you, I again appreciate 
the support. Please reach out if this podcast has meant anything to you. And also if you have guests that you think would be really insightful for the mental game community. So I'm Sam Brief here in my home studio in Chicago saying thank you, be well, and please remember to take care of yourself. Adios.